Amen. As you're being seated, if you'll find your Bibles and open them up with me, we will be in Luke chapter 6 and verses 46 to 49 today. You know, whenever you read the Bible, there are these moments whenever great people respond to a great problem and they respond with a great strength of character, a godly character that comes from deep within. I think of Daniel, who was pressured politically to bow down to the king. But instead of bowing down to the king, he went home and he went to the window where everybody would see and he bowed down to his Lord, the same Lord that we worship as well. And of course, this landed Daniel in the lion's den. But as you read his story, you see a man of great principle. You see a man of great character who, when adversity came across his path, rather than fading his character and his strength shone brightly. I think of Esther. People thought of Esther as a beauty queen, but she showed that her strengths were much more than just her physical appearance. She was a woman of great courage, a woman of great character. Her people, the Jewish people, found themselves on the verge of mass genocide. But she goes in to the king. She pleads on behalf of her people. God honors her courage and her word, and he saves her people. Here was a woman who, when faced with great adversity and great hardship, rather than wilting, her character came forth and shone brightly. I think of Jesus, beaten and bleeding, standing before the pagan governor Pontius Pilate. And Pilate looks at him and says, don't you know that I have the power to crucify you or to set you free? And Jesus looks at him and says, you have no power except for that which was given to you from above. In the face of adversity, his character shone forth. In each case, people of godly character faced great trouble. And instead of fading, they found a faith to stand strong in the face of adversity. So I ask myself this question. How do I I become a person who, in my life, there is a core foundation? And that foundation upon which my life is built is strong enough so that anyone or anything that life throws at me, the foundation will stand firm. Jesus gives us insight to that question today in Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 46. Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things that I say? I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words, and acts on them. Now make sure that you digest verses 46 and 47 because this is the key to understanding the passage. Jesus begins with a question, why is it that there are some people that call me Lord, Lord, but then they don't do the things that they say? And then he's wanting to give us an illustration of someone who comes to Christ, hears his words, and then lives them out. He says in verse 48, he is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood came, the river crashed against that house and couldn't shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears and does not act is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. 
The river crashed against it, and immediately it collapsed, and the destruction of that house was great. Now, I grew up in church. I'm a pastor's kid, and so I remember growing up in church, there actually used to be a song that we would sing about this, this passage. Remember, the wise man built his house upon the... And the foolish man built his house upon the sand, and the house on the sand went splat. Okay, we will not sing that today, but you know, it was just a good memory uh, for me as I was growing up singing that song. Now, uh, what we're introduced to in the story is two people who are ordinary Joes, and in their lives there are a lot of similarities. Both of these men heard the truth of of Jesus. So to put them in modern situations, they were both churchgoers. They had heard the message of Jesus, and in verse 46, it says that both men called Jesus Lord, Lord. So with their mouth, they had spoken the words that Jesus is Lord. They had a belief in God. They listened to, or they heard the message. They probably went to a life group at church. They would post Christian things on their Facebook wall. They had a fish on the back of their chariot. They were churchgoers, and they verbally confessed that Jesus is Lord. Both men built a house. I would imagine that they probably both built their houses on similar lots. It appears that they lived in the same community. Whenever it would rain on one, it would rain on the other. These men were living very similar lives. Their kids both went to Wiley schools. Their wives both drove the same model of SUV. On Mondays, both of these men would go down to the Waterburger on 544 and eat breakfast and read the paper down there. They both had Labrador retrievers in the backyard. They both had barbecue smokers where they would smoke their meat and talk about the proper techniques of making brisket. Outside, looking in, both of these men were living the dream. Both of them were successful. Both of them had nice homes. It appeared from the outside looking in that both of their lives were headed in the same direction. I will never forget December 26, 2015. The day before was Christmas Day. After finishing a marathon of Christmas Eve services, uh, I went home and I started making a ham for, for the Christmas meal. And it was on Christmas afternoon that I received a text that my father had had a heart attack over in Fort Worth. And so Christmas Day last year was spent with, for my family in ICU, praying that things would be okay. Well, then on December 26, the life storm got a bit worse. We discovered that he had had a stroke overnight, and so things were very, very uh, serious on December 26. I thank you from the bottom of my heart for your prayers, for your encouragement, and I'm glad to report that today uh, my dad is standing and doing the thing that he loves more than anything else on this earth. He's preaching the gospel at his church, and he's, he's doing what he loves to do. His life is changed. He's not able to do some of the things he used to do, but he's able to do the thing that he loves. He's able to preach and love his congregation. And so December 25th and December 26th of last year in my life will always be marked as a time when a great storm 
blew in. And then that evening, December 26, my family was huddled up in our storm shelter, a.k.a. the hall bathroom, because there was a massive tornado that tore through. We live in Saxe, and it hit strongly in Garland. It hit in Rowlett. Several people lost their lives. Many, many homes were destroyed. You remember it if you live here. It was a time of great destruction. And then just a few months later, virtually everybody in our church experienced a physical storm blowing into our lives whenever the once-in-a-lifetime hailstorm hit Wiley. How many of you have had to have your roof replaced or you had significant damage due to the hailstorm? It's a time that we'll never forget. We had many of our members that were displaced out of their homes, windows broken out, hailstones coming literally through their roof. It was a storm that was a a once-in-a-lifetime moment. Well, so too, these two men had a great storm, a Doppler red storm blew into their lives. It was such a great storm that the river that ran through their town overflowed its banks. The entire community was flooded. The river continued with its momentum and energy And it began crashing into homes. In fact, it crashed into their houses. The wise man's house had a solid, deeply dug foundation made out of rock. And so when the river crashed into it, though no doubt it caused some great turmoil within the home, but when the river crashed into it, the house stood firm. The foolish man's house had no real foundation. And so when the river with its great energy crashed into it, Jesus says the house immediately collapsed. Jesus goes on to paint the picture. He says the destruction was great. I envision that the man lost his home. He probably lost all of his things. This was pre-iCloud. He lost all of his pictures. He lost all the various things that he had collected all of his life. And it may have gone much deeper. He may have lost the people that he loved. Now, Jesus was a carpenter. And so Jesus probably knew a thing or two about home building. There were probably times in his life that he had helped people build their homes. But I don't think that Jesus is telling the story in order to educate us on the proper techniques of home building. I think that he was talking about something spiritual. I think that Jesus was telling the story because he wanted us to think about how you and I are going about building our lives. Are you going to build your life on wisdom Or are you going to build your life on foolishness? Are you going to build your life on things that last forever? Or are you going to build your life on things which are temporary? In other words, we can understand the storm as metaphorical. That storm could be the great hailstorm of 2016. But it could also be understood as the crashed economy of the Great Recession. It could be a health problem. It could be the death of someone that you love. 
It could be the doctor coming into the room and telling you, this is what we have discovered with our test. It could be your marriage going through a season of turmoil. It could be a debilitating accident, a child that goes wild, a layoff at work, the candidate that you don't like being elected president. It can be all sorts of different storms which blow into our lives. And I want you to notice that their lives looked similar until the Doppler red storm of life arrived. And then they could not have looked more different. In the room today, there's a group of people who look very similar. Now, you may say, Lash, uh, do you need to go to the eye doctor? I have a recommendation that I can give you because we don't look anything alike. Well, it is true. We have different hairstyles. We have different skin tones. We have different ages. There are a lot of differences about our physical appearances, but in this room, there are also a lot of similarities. We have a few folks that may be from a different town, but for the most part, we live in the same community. In this room, we're all grateful to be Texans, amen, to live in the great republic of Texas. I better be careful with that these days, but we're all grateful to live in Texas, We're all attending the same church today. We're all listening to the same sermon, singing the same songs. Truth be told, everybody in the room is greatly, greatly blessed. Oh, there's some things that maybe you still want. There's some things that you hope that you're able to buy or to do within your lifetime. And there's people that are richer than we are and have more things than we have. But the truth be told, we are all very, very blessed. The majority of the world would love to have our lifestyle. Most of us enjoy things every day that for the majority of the world would be a -a once-in-a-lifetime moment. There's a lot of similarities here. But here's the key difference. In this room, there are some that hear the words of Jesus, and then you take those words and you build your life with His power, you are building your lives on the foundation of His truth. Your life is built on Christ. And then there are others in this room that you hear the words, but then you leave your Christianity at church. And you go off into your life, and you foolishly build your life on things that don't last. And so the key question that everybody in this room has to wrestle with as you read this passage, is my life grounded on rock or sand? Have you ever thought about that? Is your life grounded on rock or sand? When trouble comes into your life, is your life built on a foundation that will last? Or is your life built on a foundation that when faced with trouble, it's going to crumble? If you want a love that shines rather than fading in adversity, you need to build your life on rock, not sand. If you want a life that outlives your days and creates legacy that lasts for generations, you have to build your life on rock, not sand. If you want a strength of character that stands strong in the face of adversity, you must build your life on rock, 
not sand. There was a major difference between the wise man and the foolish man. The wise man's faith was more than words. He lived it. It was employed in every area of his life. The foolish man heard the sermon, said the right words, but his life never changed. What does a life built on sand look like? Well, let's take that word, S-A-N-D, and talk about a life built on sand. A life built on sand will have society's core values rather than God's core values. You may never have thought about this, but you have core values. You have foundational values that shape your behavior. You have what's called a worldview. It's the lens through which you see the world. Is your worldview shaped by the truth of God, or is your worldview shaped by your own opinion? Is your worldview shaped by things which are eternal truth, or is your worldview constantly in flux? Society's value says that man is basically good and that knowledge is what will make us better people. But God's value says, no, we all have a sinful nature. We've all done things that are wrong for which we need forgiveness. That the great common denominator of humankind is our need for forgiveness and the pain that accompanies our sinful behavior. But God has an answer, and the answer is the gospel. And in Christ, there is forgiveness for anyone who believes. Society has a value that says love is just being happy. That love is about money and power and lust. But Jesus says God defines love for us. And the love that God has defined for us is about self-sacrifice and commitment. And that when we talk about romantic love, it's to be between a man and a woman. And it's to be expressed within the covenant, a lifetime covenant of marriage. Society says that success is about being comfortable or perhaps being powerful. Jesus says that true success is found when you learn to deny yourself and follow him. Society tries to lure us with lies, which brings about pleasure for a season, but when trouble comes, it collapses. Jesus brings truth, and he gives us a truth that leads us to eternal hope, a hope that endures affliction and prays persistently. You see, the hope that Jesus offers us is more than just hoping that tomorrow's better than today. It's hoping, it's beyond just hoping that the Cowboys play well next week. The hope that Jesus offers us is eternal hope. Part of the core message of Jesus is that those who believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. What is it that we celebrate on Easter? The what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. That means Jesus has overcome death. And the scriptures teach us that all who believe in Jesus, you also have eternal life because, not because you're good, but because your faith is in Christ and he's overcome death. So what that means is this. If you are a believer, you have a hope that transcends your life. You have an eternal hope. So no matter what you face here on earth, you have an ultimate destination with God in heaven. What that hope does is it frees you to live today. Because if all you have is, well, I hope tomorrow's better than today. 
then tomorrow comes and it's still bad and you just become depressed. But whenever you have an eternal hope, it radically liberates you to live today. Are you building your life on Kardashian values or are you building your life on eternal values? Are you building your life based on the political polls and a few blogs and what your friends say? Or are you building your life based upon what God has said? Are you building your life on a stone, a rock foundation? Or are you building your life on a sandy foundation? A sandy foundation has activity without purpose. Remember that movie Forrest Gump? Forrest Gump, you know, Mama always said. In that movie, there was this feather. And it would just kind of float around through the movie. It had deep symbolism. The feather kind of symbolized how forest just kind of floated through life. And I think that's how many of us live our life. We just kind of aimlessly float. We have busy schedules, but empty hearts. We're always doing stuff, but for a lot of us, we, we don't really know why. We have activity without purpose. We do a lot of stuff, but we don't really have any meaning behind it. One of the great things about having a life that is built on Christ is that he brings meaning to every activity. Christians can live with a singleness of purpose. I want to glorify God in everything that I do, in my marriage, in my parenting, when I walk the dog around the neighborhood, in everything that I do, I want to bring glory to God. I want to act in such a way, speak in such a way, think thoughts, have attitudes that bring glory to God. And that gives my life definition. It gives meaning to even the most mundane things because in everything that I do and say, I want to bring glory to God. In, not listening. A sandy life is marked by not listening. Someone must have said to this guy, hey, You're not doing this right. You're building your house without a foundation. You don't need to build here because if you build there and the river overflows, it happens. I know it's in a 100-year floodplain, but anyway, it's not in a 100-year. But anyway, if it overflows, it's going to wreck your house. Somebody must have said to him, you don't need to build there, but he didn't listen. I like to run about three, four times a week. I go out for a run. It's, It's my refuge and so I, I like to listen to music so that I can tone out the world whenever I run. So the other day I got me some, uh, some noise, noise, what do they call them? Noise canceling headphones. It's great. I mean, you can't hear a thing whenever you put, put them in your ears. When the kids get too loud, <laughs> headphones. I'm good. You know, uh, I try not to do that too often. But anyway, I, I wear them when, when I run. And, and whenever you have them in, you can't hear a thing. And, and, and it, it's great. But the other day I almost got ran over. I was going down the road. I couldn't hear a thing. This lady almost just fell down. This lady's coming out of her driveway, and I'm, like, trying to avoid getting hit by by this lady's car. You see, uh, the wise man hears the truth of God and listens. And so then he puts the truth of God in practice in his life. The foolish man hears the truth of God, argues with it, and then puts the headphones on to drown it out. And everything seems to be working pretty good. The music's pretty cool until the soccer mom in the Odyssey runs over you, okay? And then it's not cool anymore. Eventually, not listening to truth, you're going to find yourself in trouble. And whenever trouble comes, it'll run over you. D, a desire for me. A sandy life is built on selfishness. The foolish man built his house where he did because it was convenient, closer to the river. Look at my view. It was beachfront property. But it didn't make sense. He was just thinking of himself. 
At the root of all sin is pride, selfishness, and idolatry. If you go back to the Garden of Eden, when they ate of that fruit, part of the motivation behind it was we will be like God. And so all throughout human history, we've had this, this nature to turn towards doing our own thing and to turn away from God's way. And every time we turn to our own ways, what we're doing is we're turning towards pride, selfishness, and idolatry. Let me tell you how to make your life more miserable than it already is. I know, positive thinking. I got this line straight from Joel Osteen. He, he gave it to me, so... Okay, kidding, okay? How to make your life more miserable than it already is. Think only of yourself. Just be selfish. Be prideful. Tear everybody and everything else down all the time. Live for you and you alone. And I promise, you'll be more miserable than you already are. You may make some money. You may do a few things along the way. But deep inside, you'll be all alone, and you'll be miserable. The greatest way for you to have a love that lasts, receive the truth of God. Build your life on it. Live your life to glorify God and to reach out to others. You say, Lash, I don't don't want to live my life for for me. I don't want to live my life built on sand. I, I want to live my life with a foundation that's solid, that's rock solid. Well, it may be that you need to ask yourself a few spiritually probing questions. Perhaps we need to examine the foundation of your life. Ask yourself, what is it that you really value in life? What are your core values? If you're honest with yourself, you may be valuing worldly things rather than godly things. You may be valuing the wrong things and have some wrong priorities. Ask yourself, am I too busy for God? I'm convinced of this. 90% of the people in this room would have more joy, more happiness, if you just simplified your life. We are the first adult generation to grow up in a world that's always connected. We're connected right now as I preach to Social media, football games, we're always connected. And that's not a bad thing. I enjoy the connectivity. I enjoy uh, when I go on vacation somewhere, I can FaceTime my children and see them and talk to them and see their faces. That's all cool. But we're also, as a civilization, learning to adjust to this. And I think a lot of us, we get so busy, we're so connected We're trying to do everything and take in everything, and we don't have any joy. Our life just seems to get more and more complicated. We have lots of choices, but very little joy. And so we never hear the still, small voice of God. Because there's no time in our day to read the Bible. There's no time in our day to stop and pray. There's no time in our day to look and see where the Holy Spirit is at work. And so we don't listen. We just put the headphones in and the chatter of life continues. We long for joy, but we don't have it. Perhaps you need to slow down in order to hear from God. Third, are you listening to God's truth? Now there's some simple tests here. Whenever you hear sermons, whenever you hear your life group teacher teach, when you read Scripture, 
Do you take it and live it out? Or do you forget it? Do you take the truth of God and practice it in your life? Or is it forgotten as soon as it's heard? Here's a fourth probing question. Is my life being lived for my glory or God's glory? Who's the star of your life? Who do you want people to see in your life? Do you want them to know how great you are and how smart you are? Or do you hope that your life reflects the glory of God so that people might see through your life the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness of God that has been extended to you and is also extended to the people that you love and know through a life lived to bring glory to Him? It is vitally important that you build your life on things that last. It's also important you build your life on the right lot. Has there ever been a time in your life where you've trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? That's the initial step of faith in Christianity. Coming to that point where you repent of being God yourself. You repent of your sin. You place your faith in Christ, trusting in Him as Savior and Lord. Asking God to come into your life and to change you from the inside out so that you can receive the power and wisdom that only God can bring to live your life as a follower of Jesus Christ. Has there ever been that time when you took that step of faith? We we witnessed today two people who have taken that step, Sarah and Don, and we are so proud of you guys for taking that step of faith. But I ask everybody else, has there been that time in your life when you took that step? There's lots of things you can build your life on. You can build your life on your career. Work hard. Tie yourself up in your career. I hate to tell you this, but one day, they're going to want to get rid of you. They're going to look at you and go, you're 80. You were supposed to retire a long time ago. I've got a 22-year-old that doesn't know a thing, but I'm going to bring him in here, and he's going to replace you. They're going to want you to leave. You can build your life on money. Make lots and lots of money and try to get lots and lots of stuff. Have more money than you can count. And then whenever you die, your kids can fight over it and waste it all. You can build your life on politics. <laughs> Good luck with that. Okay. There's a lot of things you can build your life on. Jesus is the one person that you can build your life on that can give you eternal life. A life built on anything or anyone else is only temporary. Now, one last thing that I think it's important that we don't miss, and that is that the man whose life was built on the sand is homeless. And he's heartbroken. He fell for a lie. And it cost him everything. He thought he had all he needed, And now he's asking, what am I missing? And that man that built his life on the sand and then faced trouble and trouble collapsed his life, he needs a church that will love him and care about him and walk with him. Teach him what it means to not just say Christian words, but to live them out. Teach him how to be a disciple. He needs people like you and me to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ and reach out to Him because He's heartbroken. He's homeless. And He needs a fresh start. In this story, which one are you? Who are you in the story? 
Are you the wise man building your life on a strong foundation? Or are you the foolish man building your life on sand? When you build your life on sand, there's this nagging reality that something's missing. And there's an unsettling reality that you're one storm away from devastation. Truth is, many have lived this way for years and years. But the good news is, you don't have to stay the same. The story of Jesus Christ is a story of transformation. No matter how far you've run from God, no, how many, no matter how many poor decisions that you have made in your life, you are not beyond the reach of grace. Christ extends His arms on the cross so that anyone, you or I, anyone, can be forgiven and we can have a fresh start in Christ. Is it time for a fresh start in your life? Would you be so kind as to bow your heads, please, as we come into a time of the service that we call the invitation. With your head bowed, there are some in this room that you're a Christian, you know Christ, you, you've, you've nailed that down. But as I've spoken today, you've also realized that there's some things in your life that need to change. You've been building your life on things that don't really last. Your foundation is sandy. And it's time to make some changes. Time to start not just hearing the truth and knowing what you were taught growing up, but it's time to start living it out in your life. There's some foundational changes that you need to make. If that's where you are, mom, dad, if that's where you are, friend, I encourage you right now to do some business with God. Just call out to Him. Say, Lord, change me. Could be that you're here today and today's your moment. Today is the moment where you open up your heart to God and you embrace Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You take that step of salvation. If that's you today with your head bowed, I just invite you to call out to God. You might pray something like this. God, I, I've, I've sinned and I ask for your forgiveness. I've done things that are wrong and I, I repent from running away from you and I want to run to you. And I ask you to change me from the inside out. To give me the power and the wisdom through your spirit to live for you. Today is my day of salvation. And I mark this day. It is a day of life change. It is a day where all things become new spiritually for me. And I am a follower of Jesus Christ from this day forward. If this is your moment, if this is your day of salvation, I want you to never forget this time. This was the time, this was the moment in this service where you opened up your heart and Christ became your Lord and Savior. I will not embarrass you. I will not call you out. But I want to know. I want to be a pastor to you. And so... If this is your moment today, would you just look up at me? I'd just like to make eye contact with you. Say, this is my moment today. Today I'm trusting in Christ as Savior and Lord. If this is your moment today, I would love to talk to you about what it means to be a follower of Christ, to baptize you in the days to come, and to help you any way that I possibly can. Let's stand together, church.
Father, we thank you for your great love for us, and we sing out to you how great is our God.